So um, I didn't make this. Art Ray helped me make it. I'm not talented enough to make it, but uh, y'all know what this is? A yoke, not an egg yoke. That would be incorrect, right? This is a farming instrument yoke, um, and it would look a little bit different. I'll explain that in a minute. But um, this is an instrument, uh, you could say, or an object of slavery. Um, if you wanted to overstate the case, um, it's an object of connection. Uh, if you wanted to understate the case, it's an object of submission, um, as we find it in Jeremiah 27. Uh, this is an object that is going to uh, be helpful, uh, but is also going to restrict and place limits on you if you are connected to it. Um, so in the Bible, uh, a yoke is, is typically an instrument, uh, a farming instrument, that is uh, used to connect two animals together. So it would have been probably another, you know, feet, uh, feet or two, that's, that's the same. Uh, and it would have been another foot or two, probably longer than this, and uh, it would have had two arches like this, uh, except on the outside edges. Um, uh, we wanted to show you the one that, uh, that Jeremiah probably made. Uh, but the typical yoke would have had two arches on the outside edges, and it would have uh, gone over an animal. Um, one animal would have been an older animal. Uh, we'll call it the seasoned animal. Uh, the other animal would have been a younger animal. We'll call that the wild animal. <laughs> um, so, so uh, and, and for both animals, this object is going to be helpful and, it's, and at the same time restrictive. Um, we've got to see this. Uh, the, the younger animal, when he is set loose on a field to plow it, is going to supply the energy and the strength that is needed to, to, uh, to uh, plow the field. However, uh, left to himself, that young animal is going to be wild. So he's probably going to uh, not go in a straight line. He's probably going to go too quickly. Uh, and if you go too quick in plowing a field, I'm told uh, you won't plow it properly. So you, you have to go at the right pace. So uh, it's helpful because uh, he'll supply the, 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 the energy and the strength, uh, but he's also tied to and connected to an older animal, the seasoned animal. And that animal uh, knows the proper pace to plow a field. Uh, he'll be more responsive to the farmer driving the, um, uh, the plow or driving the yoke. And, uh, and so that animal will, will move at a, at a slower pace, which means that they'll do better at plowing the field. And uh, they will at the same time probably go in a straight line, right? Which is, uh, I'm told, helpful for, um, uh, for plowing a field. So we have to see that, uh, that this instrument is going to be helpful, right, to both animals uh, because it uh, supplies the strength and the energy, but it also provides the kind of right pace to do the job. Uh, at the same time, it's going to be restrictive. Uh, it's going to place restrictions and limits on both animals. They will not be free to just go at their own pace. Uh, they won't be free to go wherever they want to go and do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. They are tied and connected to something else, which means they have to kind of work together or they kind of have to uh, go uh, wherever the other one is going. You all track with me? Right, so this is a helpful but at the same time restrictive uh, object. And so this is the key object in Jeremiah chapter 27. Um, uh, and, and what we want to do is look at it from three different perspectives this morning. We want to look at it from the perspective of the six nations that have gathered together in Jeremiah 27. We want to look at it from the perspective of Jeremiah, who's uh, carrying or has the yoke on his neck. Um, and, and then we want to look at it from the perspective of uh, you and I, 
uh, if we can go there. So um, can I do a little bit of history with you first? I just kind of want to ask because it's a little bit detailed, but I believe if we kind of understand the historical setting of Jeremiah 27, it makes it uh, uh, all kind of make sense a little bit more. So um, Jeremiah chapter, well, I didn't actually get much like uh, response. Is it okay if I do some history with you? I saw like a couple of head nods and then like everybody else was like, no, don't do that, right? So is it okay if we, if we go forward with that? All right. So um, the, the historical setting, Jeremiah 27, um, this is actually pretty late in the ministry and the life of Jeremiah. Uh, it's kind of important to know um, uh, the book of Jeremiah doesn't go in chronological order. That would make it easier to understand and study, but that's not how it happens. So um, this is pretty late in the life and ministry of Jeremiah. And, and so that is to say that, that um, already one of the prophecies that Jeremiah has made, one of the things he said would happen has actually already happened. So he said, hey, uh, this nation of Babylon, the world power of Babylon is going to come up against the people of God in the city of Jerusalem, and they're going to attack it and destroy it and, uh, and take people away into this thing called exile. And so at this time in Jeremiah 27, that's already happened. Uh, the nation of Babylon, the world power, came up against the city. They surrounded the city. Uh, they cut off all the supplies going in and out of the city. Um, and, uh, and then after a time, and the city was weakened, of course, the Babylonians then actually attacked the city, and they started to destroy parts of the city. Um, after they destroyed parts of the city, they would take the best and the brightest of the people from within the city and take them away into their own nation of Babylon. Uh, it, that's called the exile, right? So they took away the best and brightest, took them to Babylon, and, uh, and kind of assimilated them into their culture and their nation. Um, some of the other stuff that they did is they, um, they, they put a heavy tax on the city of Jerusalem. So they said, hey, um, uh, you are going to pay us a tax on a regular ongoing way, and if you don't pay that tax in a regular ongoing way, guess what? We're going to come back, and it's going to be worse for you, right? Um, they also uh, would, would raise up a, a leader from within the city, in this case Zedekiah, and they would make him a king, now, I go like this because uh, he's not a real king. He has no real power, no real authority. Um, he only does whatever the Babylonian nation tells him to do. Um, he, he's sort of a mock ruler, if you will. He's appointed by the Babylonians uh, to be king of Judah. His name is Zedekiah, and, uh, and, and he uh, is not really free, just like the nation of Judah is not really free anymore. And now it kind of comes back, right? They are under the yoke of the Babylonians. They are tied to and restricted by and limited by the Babylonians. They are not free to do anymore whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, however they want to do it. Uh, now they only do what the Babylonians tell them to do when the Babylonians tell them to do it, however the Babylonians tell them to do it. So they are, they, they are very much under the yoke and under the restrictions and limitations of the world power at that time, the Babylonian army. So what we see in Jeremiah chapter 27, this is the last piece, stick with me, this is the last piece of uh, kind of historical information. What we see in Jeremiah 27 is, is these six nations gathered together in what I call the anti-Babylonian summit. Uh, it doesn't say that in Jeremiah 27. They wouldn't have called it that. That would have been extremely dangerous. But um, uh, they're gathered together, and basically what they're trying to do is say, how can we be free? 
nations and people have a tendency to do that, right? If they used to be free, um, then, uh, and they're not anymore, then they kind of get together and they say, how can we be free? And so they're saying, how can we throw the yoke of the Babylonians off of our necks? How can we get back to that space and that time where we get to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want to do it? And so these six nations, Judah, and then basically all of the surrounding nations gather together and they say, hey, how can we have each other's back? How can we support one another? How can we link arms? How can we uh, you know, shore up our defenses and, and, and get some battle military strategies in place so that when the Babylonians come back, that won't happen again? So as the, um, the six nations look at this object, they are only seeing the restriction limitation side of things. You see that? This is a heavy weight on their necks. And they don't want it anymore. They're looking at this object and they're saying, oh no, I don't want anything to do with that. We want to be free. We want to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want to do it. And we want to throw that thing off. Wouldn't that have been dramatic if I would have actually like, tossed this thing? I really wanted to just now. But anyways, uh, um, they, they, they are looking to throw off the yoke of the Babylonians. And they are gathered together trying to figure out what does it look like? How can we do it? What, what's our strategy going to be to, to get back to that place where we don't have that on our necks anymore? They're looking at the restrictions, at the limitations. And the thought of this being a helpful thing makes no sense at all. No sense at all. So um, place yourself in the room for a minute, and, uh, and you're part of the anti-Babylonian summit, and in walks Jeremiah. And what's he wearing on his neck? A yoke. <laughs> and, uh, and they're all like, how did you get in here, and what is on your neck? And I imagine Jeremiah blows past the first question, and then he lays the answer to the second question on him. And he says this, is actually a helpful thing uh, for you to keep on. Uh, this is a helpful thing for you to pick up and carry around and, and have the weight of it on your neck. Why? Because being yoked to the Babylonian nation is just like being yoked to God. Um, submitting and serving the king of Babylon and the Babylonian nation it's just like submitting to and serving God himself. So you've got the yoke on your necks, and you better keep that yoke on. You don't have to understand that yet. I'm going to fill in some gaps here in just a minute. Jeremiah looks at this, and he understands that this is a helpful and, yes, restrictive object. So um, uh, Jeremiah has a lot to say when he walks into the room, and, and what he does is he lays some good news on them, actually. Uh, he, he tells them some, some good news. He, he basically says, hey, God is glorious, and God is great, and God is good, and because of that, you should be confident that you should have your neck under the yoke of the Babylonians. So let's just kind of lay into that a little bit. Um, he says God is glorious. Uh, in the text, uh, he walks in and says um, that God is the Lord of hosts. 
uh, hosts is a, is a fancy King James way of saying armies, right? So he's saying that God is the Lord of the armies. He's, he's telling the people that have gathered together, um, hey, God is the Lord of the heavenly armies. He has armies upon armies upon armies at his disposal, which means that at a mere word from God, um, any world power would be completely wiped out and destroyed. He's telling them, hey, God is glorious, so you don't have to be afraid of the Babylonians. You don't have to be afraid of any foreign nation. You don't have to be afraid of your circumstance because God is glorious. He is the most uh, important. He is the biggest. There is no one and nothing bigger than him. Uh, just imagine that, right? Uh, they're sitting around the table um, trying to figure out how they can build up their armies to resist the Babylonians, and Jeremiah walks in and says, hey, let me tell you about the God who is the God of all of heaven's armies. He's trying to reorient their eyes. He's trying to shift their eyes off of the worldly powers and forces and put them on God himself. So first of all, he tells them God is glorious. Then he tells them that God is great. He reminds them about the great power of God and the outstretched arm of God. Um, when you think about outstretched arm, don't think this so much as this, right? Uh, it's a, it's an, uh, a reference back to the Exodus when God brought the people of God out of the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm. It's kind of like God is flexing his muscle. Um, Jeremiah is trying to remind them, hey, uh, God is the, the most mightiest being ever, right? He's trying to remind them that, that no one is more powerful than God. And so he is the only counsel. He's the only help. Uh, he's the only security that you need. So you, anti-Babylonian nation, you should stop scheming and trying to figure things out on your own. And you should instead look to God and figure out what God is scheming and what God is trying, trying to do. And then lastly, he reminds them that God is good and that as a good God, he gives good gifts and good things, even if they don't feel immediately good in the moment. <laughs> Just hold on to that for a little bit. Um, so he says that God is the creator of all things. And uh, God is the creator of all things. He owns all things and then can give things away as he chooses. And so in this particular case, um, Jeremiah is saying, hey, um, God owns all things, which means he owns all of these lands, and he has given them over to the Babylonian nation. He's given them over to the king of Babylon. So being yoked to the nation of Babylon and the king of Babylon means that you're being yoked to God, that you are being connected to God. And Jeremiah is basically saying, you don't have to understand it, but you need to know as you are gathered together in this anti-Babylonian summit and trying to solve your own problems, you need to know that God's desire for you is that you would actually remain connected to the Babylonian nation. Uh, this is actually, if you just kind of hit a T on the sermon, this is actually like an incredible moment of grace uh, because these guys are trying to figure out their own plans and figure out their own way of solving their own problems and God just sends Jeremiah into their midst uninvited <laughs> and God's going to tell them hey look this is actually what I want you to do um, they didn't they didn't go to God in prayer right and say hey God we've got this really big problem can you help us out with this 
right? That would have been the faithful thing to do, but they didn't do that. They just get together in this anti-Babylonian summit. They're trying to figure out their own plans, how to solve their own problems, and God just shoves his grace in there and says, look, this is, this is what I want you to do. This is what it means to be connected to me. It's really kind of a, a grace-filled moment, <laughs> even though it's a harsh word for them. Okay, so... Um, so uh, the, the, the six nations, right, look at this and they say, heck no, I don't want anything to do with it, right? Uh, Jeremiah says, hey, this is going to be helpful but restrictive at the same time. Um, and then the question uh, then falls to us, what are we going to do with it? And really, uh, the, the question is maybe twofold. Um, number one, are you going to come forward and uh, pick up the yoke? Uh, do you desire uh, to be connected to God on a, uh, on a regular basis, in a regular, ongoing kind of way? Um, it, it, and, and really, the opening video was kind of helpful to us. That, that might mean that you're just kind of taking time to be alone with God and figure out, uh, listen to his voice and, and, and try to hear like, hey, God, what do you have to say to me today? It might be that you are opening up God's word on a regular basis and, and seeing what God has to say to you in his word. Um, but but are, are you going to come forward and pick up the yoke and, and, and be connected to God in a regular, ongoing way? Um, that, that's what Jeremiah was inviting them to do, to be connected to God um, and what he was planning. And then the, the second question really is, is this going to be heavy or um, not so heavy? And my answer, my honest answer, and Jeremiah's honest answer is yes. <laughs> uh, it is at times going to be a very heavy burden to be carrying on your necks. And at other times, it will be very light and very easy to carry on your necks. Um, just, a, just a personal example uh, for me, so, so you're kind of getting a hold of what this maybe looks like. Um, uh, you, you guys know, and, and you heard it in the video, how, how I try to connect with God and be yoked to God on a regular, ongoing way. Um, over the last three or four months, uh, God started poking me with a word uh, that I really didn't appreciate uh, three or four months ago, um, and that word is patience. <laughs> and, uh, and God uh, kept inviting me to be yoked into patience. And I kept kind of saying, nope. No thanks, don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> Why? Uh, because that means that, uh, that things don't happen at my pace and they don't happen when I want them to happen, how I want them to happen. And so I didn't really want anything to do with that and finally God kept poking into me with that and I said, okay. And, um, and I picked up the yoke and I started pushing in. And... Um, <laughs> I haven't always liked uh, being yoked to patience, and it's something that God is still working and growing in me. Um, but I'm learning that it's not so heavy uh, because it's making me, I think, a better husband and a better dad, and I think a better leader of the congregation. Um, uh, picking up the yoke has reminded me that I've got a God who is glorious. There's no one and nothing bigger than him. So I don't have to be afraid of, of people and circumstances around me. It's reminded me that God is great 
Um, I don't need any other power from within me or from anywhere else except for him and whatever power he chooses to use in my life. And it's reminded me that God is so good. (laughs) Um, And while the patience thing doesn't feel good in the moment, it is so good, right, to be growing and and having him work that in my heart. Um, Are you going to pick up the yoke? And will it be easy? Yes (laughs) and no. Jeremiah 27 invites us uh, into a life that looks like this. And uh, it's a life that ultimately is so good because we have an incredible God. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we, uh, we thank you so much for, uh, for this, uh, this chapter uh, and this object that oh man, challenges us um, uh, because we just kind of have this this natural thing in us that wants to be free, that wants to do what we want, when we want. And so um, the, the thought of being kind of tied down is, uh, is challenging. Um, and so we just ask, will, will you kind of remove those challenges and those obstacles from our heart um, what will you will you break through and uh, show us the good news of what you're trying to do? Will you show us why we can uh, celebrate and, and why we would want to pick up such an object? Um, why it would be so good to be connected to you? Um, Lord Jesus, I, I just ask that... Uh, uh, that, that as we kind of refresh and renew our commitment to you and our connection to you, um, that you would uh, speak in new ways, uh, fresh ways, what you are trying to do. Um, that you would show us where you want to go. Um, that you would show us what you're doing about the problems and the difficulties that we are facing. And that you would show us all the things, uh, all the ways that we have to celebrate. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.